0: It's great to see you all here today. Uh, We don't always introduce visitors, first-time visitors and everything, but uh, I was wondering if my son Nate uh, would introduce a first-time guest he brought with him today. Emmett Lewis, it's good to meet you. Good to see you. Good to have you in church. May you uh, always be in church. Turn in your Bibles uh, to Revelation chapter 13. Uh, We're going to be diving into it today. Uh, You may wonder why we are going to Revelation 13. Why are we talking about the mark of the beast? Um, It's because you've asked for it. Um, And so here we are. Uh, We are talking about the mark of the beast today. And uh, many of you were a part of our study uh, the last, um, I don't know, last year or so in the book of Daniel, and Daniel has a lot to say about Antichrist and what is to come, uh, specifically the Great Tribulation, uh, what's going to go on with um, God's people as we, um, as we think about how this all ends and um, last week we talked about the rapture of the church. And uh, as if you're here last week, uh, you heard me uh, put together for you that uh, the rapture happens uh, really before the tribulation begins, that seven year period. Um, a little background from the book of Daniel before we get rolling here. Just stay in Revelation 13. I'll have uh, Stan put Daniel chapter 9, verse 24. Uh, This is one of the passages, one of the sections that talks about this idea of 70 weeks or 70 uh, seven-year periods, and it says this, Daniel chapter 9 verse 24, 70 weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin, and to atone for iniquity, uh, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and profit, and to anoint uh, a most holy place, and so we know why uh what is has to happen, what is heading towards the end, what is the last of all that is going on and i you know there's i think six things there, but i I just want to point out to you to put an end to sin, to put an end to sin, for it to be over to be to be over and uh as I look at our world, um, it's easy to find sin in our world. It's easy. It's easy. It, you don't have to go looking for it. It's all around us. Uh, it's in small, insignificant things, but it's also plastered on billboards, uh, proclaimed uh, as good uh, throughout the news media over and over. It's, it's plastered. And to know this, that in the end, um, that... God is bringing by his plan uh, and at that end time to bring an end to this, to put an end to sin. And so uh, what we're looking at today is a a small section of Revelation, and really it falls in the middle, um, but to the second half of the tribulation. Um, And so this is what we're going to look at today. I want to remind you that as you read the book of Revelation and different sections uh, in Daniel and other places that talk about end times, uh, it's meant to be prophetic. It's meant to be telling about that which is going to happen in the future. And it's not simple. It's never uh, been seen before things. And, and so it, it's really hard for us to grasp. It, there, there's a reason for it, because we have nothing to compare it to. Um, if I told you, you know, I went, I, I went someplace and I, I saw this amazing thing, and you say, well, describe it for me. And, and I would say to you, it was like a whale, it was like a whale flying through the air. And you would go, well, I know what a whale is. I've seen things fly in the air, but the idea of a whale flying through the air is like nothing I've ever seen before. And immediately in your mind, you would say, Kevin's nuts because whales don't fly. And you would deduce in your mind, I know that whales don't fly because I've never seen a whale fly. And I want to tell you that you might look at the book of Revelation and say, oh, I don't believe it. Uh, I don't think it's going to end that way. Doesn't make scientific, uh, you know. Doesn't make the scientific cut. Uh, we believe in the science, right? And history repeats itself, and and this is something that's never been. So uh, I don't believe it. I want to tell you, that's why it's the revelation of God. It's God revealing to His people what's going to happen in the future. Stuff that they would not know, they would not know, apart from him telling us that it's true. And so it's uh looking towards the future, talking about the future, uh, speaking to what is going to happen in the future. Um, I, I want to say this too, that as you read the book of Revelation, both and other prophetic passages as well, know this. That Satan thinks that he's in charge. He knows he's not, but he's doing what he wants to do in the parameters, the parameters of God allowing him to do what he's doing. But God working out his plan. We're going to see that very vividly here today. But I I want you to, uh, you know, hold that intention that Satan's in charge of what he's doing, but not really. And God is working out his plan. And I think that's important to remember today with what's going on in your world. um, It's easy to say, well, Satan did that. And I want to say, yes, he did. If you see the fingerprints of sin in your life and the lives of others and the world around us, yes, Satan has a, a role in that. But to think that he has unfettered access to you And without the loving care of your God who loves you so much, um, I think that's wrong way of thinking. And so uh, maybe that'll be helpful for us as we think in terms of being fearful and uh, various other things. Anyways, um, Revelation chapter 13, uh, I want to start reading at verse 11. If you'd stand in honor of God's word as we read together. God's word says this Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a dragon. It uh, exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence, and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose mortal wound was healed. It performs great signs. Even, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of people. And by the signs that is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on the earth. Telling them uh, to make an image for the beast that w- uh, was wounded by the sword and yet lived. Um, and it was allowed to give breath uh, to the image of the beast. So that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would, worship, who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. Also, it causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand and, or on the forehead. So that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. That is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. God, we ask your blessing on your word. We thank you for loving us so much that you've communicated with us. God, I pray that you would protect our hearts from error, from speculation, but also from fear. Uh, God, may we. Find ourselves secure in your gospel, uh, saved from every sin, secure in relationship with you for this day and forever. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So, uh, easy stuff, easy stuff. If you would look back, we're not going to look at it now, but I'll just warn you about it. Uh, Verses 1 through 10 of chapter 13 speaks of another beast or uh, a first beast. And uh, we see this to be the embodiment of Satan, Antichrist, here on this earth. Um, And as you remember back to the book of Daniel, we were constantly, he was pointing forward to Antichrist coming. Um, I say Antichrist, it's not identif- he's not identified in this passage as such. But as you look to John's other writings where he describes Antichrist, this is Antichrist. Um, and so those first 10 verses are the Antichrist. Um, we have in our passage this, this morning, verses 11 onward, another like the Antichrist. Identified as the false prophet, you'll see that later in the book of Revelation. Um, So you have Antichrist and the false prophet um, in this end time tribulational period. Got it? Um, And he's described in our passage, and I'll just go through this briefly um, as we look at uh, really the mark uh, that that has been employed. Uh, At the end of this chapter. Uh, So verse 11. Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. Uh, This is different. uh, If you look back to verse 1. And and remember this. That John. This is a vision of John's. He's seeing the future. And writing it down. And he he starts out chapter 13. And he said. I saw a beast. I saw another beast. Okay. Uh, He saw a first beast. uh, Rising out of the sea. Um, You probably don't remember, but if you look back to Daniel, uh, there was this picture of rising out of the sea and that Antichrist would rise out of the sea and be different and the the sea of humanity. And when you look at all the people, it just looks like a a big pile of people. And out of that, Antichrist will rise up. That's the Antichrist. This one is like that, but different, different. This false prophet, then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. Um, some have suggested that this picture of rising out of the earth was coming from God's uh, city, God's land, Palestine. He was rising out of that. We, we don't really have any more details other than this, the rising out of the earth. Uh, it says it, it had two horns like a lamb. Uh, when you see like a lamb... Uh, In the book of Revelation, but other places in Scripture as well. I'm still struggling. Um, You remember that Jesus was the Lamb. Jesus was the Lamb. And and what you see here in the book of Revelation is counterfeits. Counterfeits. uh, uh, Our rebellion trying to take the place, the rightful place of Jesus. And so you see uh, uh, one that looks like a lamb. And it says he spoke like a dragon. Other places in scripture, uh, Satan is referred to as the dragon. And so you get this picture of looking like a lamb and speaking as if to be Satan. And so um, verse 12, it says he exercises all authority of the first beast. Authority's a big deal. And what you see, especially in the second half of the tribulation, is is the rise of power of the Antichrist and this idea that, that he is over the whole world and authority over the whole world and trying to exert authority over the whole world. And in the same way, the false prophet is desiring the authority that the Antichrist has and the Antichrist himself desiring the authority and place of Jesus himself. And I want you to get that. I want you to get that. This idea of Antichrist, false prophets. Uh, Satan, what, what is his desire? Is to take the rightful spot in your life. In your life of Jesus. The rightful spot. And so uh, you have authority. Uh, the authority of the first beast in its presence. And, and make the earth and its inhabitants worship The first beast. The false prophet points back to the the first beast, Antichrist. Why? Because his desire, his purpose is to make everyone worship. Now, I was thinking about this because I knew what I was going to preach today. Uh, So uh, as we were singing, I was thinking about, um, you know, does your mind ever wander in church? I was thinking about my buddy Emmett over there, my grandson, first grandson. I was thinking about him and my desire for him to be a worshiper, worshiper of Jesus. Um, Talked to a grandma, great grandma, and she shared with me about her uh, kids and grandkids and great grandkids and her desire for them uh, to be worshipers. I was thinking about... Uh, A singing, and that we are worshiping as we're singing. We're gathered here for worship, in fact. uh, There's a piece of paper here. This is what we plan on, and what does it say? Those of you who can see, worship service. We plan this service to worship. Sometimes we do better than others. We worship, we're worshipers, and we worship Jesus, the Lamb, the Lamb who was slain. Uh, we have connection with the Father through the Son. And God is at work in our place here through his spirit that we might be worshipers. And you come to a passage like this where it's talking about events that are going to happen, they are going to happen. <laughs> they are you know they're on the calendar already, not yours or mine, but they're going to happen. And what is the desire of Satan? Antichrist, false prophet, what is the desire that the whole world, that all the world would worship? Not Jesus, the Antichrist, the embodiment of Satan. This is the desire. And I want to tell you that if you're wondering what uh, the enemy, your enemy's desire for your life is, that you would worship something else or someone else or himself other than Jesus. I think it's important. There was a little tract that says, you know, God has a wonderful plan for your life. That's true. But we have an enemy who's got a terrible plan for your life. And if you choose to follow him, it's not going to turn out very well for you. Anyways, worshipers, um, as you think about what this passage is all about, it's all about worship, whether you will worship like everyone else, give in to, or you'll be a worshiper of Jesus, him alone. And so, uh, as you look at this passage, it shows of the, um, we're not going to go into the details. It's going to take far long, far longer to look at chapter 13. But there are some connections here. But they're all going back to uh, Antichrist. Um, verse 13. It performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven and earth in front of people. And by signs uh, that is allowed... To work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on the earth, telling them uh, to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. Uh, There's this confusing but important piece that Antichrist is dead but then alive. Um, There's a a mirroring resurrection uh, or false resurrection or uh, seeking to draw away people from Christ in him, receiving a mortal wound, but now being alive, Antichrist, and what is the purpose of these signs and these connections it 's all about worship, but it 's all about proving, even as Jesus rose from the dead, even as he performed signs. Now there are these counterfeit or competing signs, and I, you know we don 't know specifically about what these signs are going to be like. Uh, many have suggested it was just trickery. It was a a magic trick, you know. Um, Some of you can do magic tricks. Um, I have to, you know, they have to be very simple, very simple for me, because I'm not good with my hands, and um, I start laughing too much and looking at the wrong direction. Anyways, but um, some have suggested that these are just trickery or like even we, we think about um, computer-generated things that trick your mind. Um, I don't know, uh, but it seems like, uh, don't, don't discount, I, I'll say it this way, don't discount the power of Satan, okay? Don't discount it. Uh, it is not nothing, his power. Um, and so as we look at these, I believe these probably to be uh, legitimate signs that will blow the minds of those who see them. Why? To deceive. To deceive in your mind. Circle that word. Was the purpose to deceive? And I want to tell you that um, one of Satan's favorite tricks in his bag for you is for you to be deceived. And you know, keep it simple, right? Stick to God's word. Mm-hmm. Know nothing beyond that. Pe- people like to argue about what really happened. What you know? What happened? And I want to tell you, I don't know anything. I don't know what happened. Well, there was an eyewitness. The eyewitness lying. Was the eyewitness deceived? I don't know. There was a study. There was a news report. There was. I don't know. I I don't know what goes on. I mean, I'm open for deception myself, but the one thing that we can know for certain is His word is true, and we can trust in it. His plan is being worked out, and so you know, deception is what these end times uh, pieces are all about. As we look at this, uh, skipping down to. verse 14. I'm sorry, verse 15. And it was allowed to give breath uh, to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who do not worship the image of the beast to be slain. Uh, What you have here is uh, the coming alive or uh, the idea of words coming out of this image Uh, that would, once again, compel people to worship, and not just compel people to worship, but um, the idea of killing people that do not. Verse 16, also it causes all, both small and and great, both rich and poor, both slave and free. Now, when you think about this, uh, there's always um, the have and the have-nots. Uh, If you don't have any money, you're limited, right? And so if you don't have any money, it separates you from those who do have money. And a lot of times in in our culture and day, and this has probably always been true, there's the, you know, there's the poor, there's a little bit above the poor. What would you call that? Not poor? Not poor. Middle class, you know, there's different, you know, uh, I think most of the people here, you always call yourself middle class just because you don't want to be known as the greedy rich people and you don't want to be known as the poor people, okay? Middle class, we're a middle class church here. Um, middle class church. Doesn't have a very good ring to it. But anyways, um, um, what would the logo be? Anyways, um uh, middle class church, right, uh, and then there 's the rich, but really uh, it 's not just the poor, the not poor, the middle class, the rich there 's always the super rich right the super rich uh, some have said the one percent, and probably it 's not the one percent it 's usually probably one uh, percent of one percent or something less than that, right, but notice this passage. Um, when you see, what you see is this another beast, the second beast is desiring the worship of the first beast and, and all the things that are going on, the deception, all is pointing that the, the first beast would be worshiped instead of Jesus. Now, in verse 16, uh, you see this second beast or another beast, the false prophet, it says, also it causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, both free and slave. It's the idea of all of humanity, all of humanity. Not just the rich, not just the poor, not just the, the, the great, but also the small. It's all, it's all. And, and this is very hard for us to grasp Many of you have come across those who are great and those who are rich and you realize the separation between your life. But when it comes to this time, everybody, everybody. And it's important for you to think through, even in your own life right now, that all will be on a a level playing field As the Lord brings conclusion to this earth, some of us struggle with thinking that we're better than others because of something. You're not. You will all have this level playing field at the end. Uh, There's this uh, sense of facing your maker, it's the idea of you not being able to control your destiny. For those of you who have been separated and you feel lesser than, and I just want to say you're not. Uh, We looked at this a couple weeks ago in the book of Genesis. We are all created in the image and likeness of God. This is what separates us from uh, the animals and everything else that's created. But also, it it also connects us uh, both with God and the rest of humanity. All created in the image and likeness of God. We are image bearers of God. And so what what you see in verse 16 is everybody, everybody. And what is everybody to to do? Uh, Both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or on the forehead. So that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. Well, let's go through that. Um, You have everybody marked, every demographic, but you have now some specific things about the mark. Now, this is what I want you to get this morning. This is uh, really compelling for me, for you as the church. I want you to know, Uh, I want you to know about the mark of the beast, Uh, It's been thrown around in our culture today over and over again. Um, They refer to it in various senses for various things. I want to tell you that this particular mark is specific. It's specific. And and we get the specific things here in this passage. The first thing I would tell you, it's an obvious mark. The uh, Greek word there is kargama. And there's other words um, that some have suggested for mark that have been, uh, some are like a seal that you would have on a document, like it's a, it's a mark, it's a stamp, if you will, you know. Um, many of you have these on your escrow papers or on your birth certificate or something. That's not what this is talking about. This mark is some sort of branding uh, that would be showing loyalty or ownership loyalty or ownership. Now, uh, you say, well, like who would have used this in, temp- in the times of the scriptures? Well, slaves, soldiers, and temple workers. Slave, soldiers, temple workers. And when I say temple workers, it didn't necessarily have to be the true God. In fact, it probably wasn't. Uh, it was this type of mark that would set somebody apart in a way that would identify them with someone a team a soldier right um it the idea of a slave wearing this mark this type of mark would be a, a sense of ownership forgive me for saying it this way but this is what it is it's a brand like a cattle like you know they do this and and as you think about this i know I know some ranchers um, I'm not a rancher. I have chickens, but that's not really ranching. Um, my friends in the cattle they say, well, we're having a Brandon. We're having a Brandon. And they actually, you know, you know they do that. And the the picture there, uh, and, you know, especially those who free range around here, and uh, uh, it, it's the idea that as you look at your cows, many, And you're looking at them, and they all look the same, you know. Uh, Hey, you, you don't know your cows by name. There's many of them. But you look at the brand, and you realize, oh, this isn't one of mine. This belongs to somebody else. And as you think about this passage, the compelling mark is meant to be a specific identification that the person who receives it is part of whatever that mark um, shows they're owned they're a soldier in that army they worship at the, they they work and worship at that temple. I, I want to say this too the the word itself does not have a, a negative connotation it, it all it means is you are positively ID to whatever that brand Shows. You know, you say, well, what kind of mark is it? I don't know. I don't know. But it is meant to be a specific mark to show that there's a loyalty, there's a part of the army. It's I, I work in this worship system. And so as you picture this in your mind, I want you to understand that it shows it's an obvious mark. Um I've known some people with tattoos. I don't have any tattoos. I have scars, but I I don't have any tattoos. I've known of people who are scared of their mom and dad, even as adults. And they wanted to get a tattoo, but they were scared of their mom and dad. And so they got it in an inconspicuous place so that mom or dad wouldn't know, wouldn't know. This is not what this passage is talking about. It's the idea that someone would be able to identify you. It it would be almost like a badge of honor, an identification that everyone would know. Specific, obvious mark. We move on about this mark, and and this is specific. This is giving us a picture of what this mark is. And I would say this. um, It's giving us a picture of, that the mark of the beast is not here today. Hear, hear me clearly, it is not here today. It's an obvious mark uh, that separates shows. Second thing we see, it's at the head or the right hand. Um, head, right hand. Somewhere right here, okay? Uh, this is all we got by the way, right? Uh, this is all we got head right like we uh, sometimes we want to speculate what 's that going to be? Is it going to be a chip? Is it going to be a tattoo? is it going like I, all, all I want to tell you it 's going to be obvious, whatever it is it 's not going to be something subtle. It will not be something that you have to take your shoes off for right okay um, It is going to be something obvious obvious by the way i 'm um, not saying that the chip piece will not be a part of it, but I kind of think that that will not be the primary piece of it because it's supposed to be obvious, and um, chips are not obvious unless it... Anyways, um, you can have fun with that. Don't have fun with that. It's not worth it. Um, Mark's about head and right hand. So, So this is what I want you to get. Um, it's only two specific spots, right? And so the idea of something being other than that, you can know for certain that that is not the mark of the beast. Okay? I want you to develop a picture of this. Um, We move on. It's marked uh, for buying and selling. For buying and selling. Uh, As you go on to verse 17... So that no one, no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. That mark uh, is a prerequisite. It opens up a world of buying and selling, or even better to say, it restricts those from buying or selling because this mark is instituted. Um. I want to ask you a question. It's pretty clear what that is, right? The idea of, you know, you you go to the store, and I don't want to make this too uh, personal right now. You go go to the store, and before you go in the store, they go, oh, we're checking you at the door. Like a Costco card. Um, But um, we're checking you at the door to see, do you have the mark here or do you have the mark here? If you don't, you can't buy or sell. You can't uh, trade. You can't do. uh, And and why do we buy or sell? You say, well, it's easy. That's easy to live, right? You know, we need to buy food, clothing. We need to buy junk for our house, dog food. Uh, You know, we, we need to buy stuff so we can live, so we can provide for. And so what you see here. Uh, this obvious mark, these marked spots, are now the mark, the prerequisite uh, for you getting what you want. And I want to ask you, I want to ask you this: What will you do to get what you want? I want you to think about that right now, and 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 back up. Make this your foundation. I don't believe we're going to be here. If you're trusted in Jesus Christ, the rapture's already happened. We're not here, okay? But I want you to ask the question, what will you do to get what you want? Realize that's a heavy question. Let me say it a different way. What would you do for a Klondike bar? I don't even like Klondike bars. There's so much better, like you know, those big cookie ones, uh, monsters. You know, like uh, there's lots of better things. But what would you do for a Klondike bar? And they their commercial was this funny little thing. And and will, will you do this or will you do that? Uh, the question is, in the tribulation, Antichrist, false prophet is pushing the mark and requiring the mark, so that people can buy and sell and and the connection is and i think you can all relate to this is what would you do what would you do if you couldn't buy or sell what if you couldn't get food for your children what if you couldn't have heat for your home what if you couldn't go to your job and earn money What if it was simple? Just go and get the mark. What would you do for a Klondike bar? What would you do if you couldn't go to Disneyland? What would you do if you couldn't go down to the outlet malls to own ranch? What would you do if you could not go to the doctor? What would you do if you couldn't get groceries? What would you do if you couldn't keep your home? What would you do? In this time, in the tribulation, people will be marked so that they could or could not buy or sell. It'll be obvious, Mark. As you look down at the scriptures again, um, remember this is small and great. This is everybody. This is the banker as well as the one who deposits his check at the bank. Okay? Uh, It's the one of wealth, but also the one of poverty. Verse 17 So that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark, that is the name of the beast. Or the number of its name. So what do we have now? Now we have a a picture or an identity of what this mark is. And it is the name of the Antichrist. Or the number of the Antichrist. And I just want to say this. So, So what is his name? I don't think it's going to say Antichrist. I think it's going to be his name. It's going to be his name. Um, or this number that we're going to look at right now. Um, it, I want you to get this together. I want you to to uh, really put this in perspective of our life right now. Some of us are talking in terms that aren't connected to the scriptures. Um, I've heard many, many people, many. Say, oh, that's the mark of the beast. And I would say, no, it's not. It's not. How do you know for certain? Forehead, right hand, name, number. That's all. And the connection, buying or selling. As you look at this, you need to put this into perspective of what will happen in the future. And what is happening today? Uh, this section ends up. This chapter ends up. In verse eighteen, it says, "This call for wisdom left the one who has under, left uh, left the one who has understanding. Calculate the number of the beast, for the number of a ma- uh, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. So uh, first of all, calls for wisdom. Wisdom, not foolishness. Uh, Wisdom is not just uh, the picture of listening to the news and saying whatever you saw on the news or copying. It's the idea of thinking it through, of of connecting uh, what God has said in his word to what's going on today. That's wisdom. It, it's the idea of walking in relationship and fear of the Lord and applying that, what you know of the scriptures to what's happening today. And, and frankly, frankly, uh many of us find ourselves to be wise, but we're just blabbering fools, right? Um it, it's not the idea of taking the scripture and and through your relationship with the Lord applying it. Uh it's just getting wound up uh, on various social media sites, um, watching a 10-second, 20-second, minute-and-a-half uh, vlog post on YouTube, and you go, I got it. I figured it all out. <laughs> no, you haven't. Um, wisdom. Wisdom to what? Calculate the number. And, and this is important, I, you know, as I've gone through this, um I, I trust that all of you have heard something about this. Uh, I remember um even in elementary school in the um you know just bastion of conservatism and godliness, Santa Barbara, uh where I went to public school there. I remember a kid in my class in elementary school, uh, you know, writing 666. And that's the bad number. That's Satan's number. And I'm like, I go to church. I know that's a bad number, okay? Like, you know. Um, but, but this idea of pushing it off, but as I look at this, it says this: calculate the number. In wisdom, calculate the number. Uh, the number of the beast, for the number is of a man, and his number is 666. So, first of all, it's going to take calculation. Um, in biblical times, a lot of times they would use beads for counting and this picture of just going like this, right? Um, now we have calculators and computers. And the idea here is that it's going to take some brains. It's going to take maybe some math. Most have connected this to uh, gematria and the, the idea of letters uh, connected to numbers, a code, if you will, Assigning numeric value to a name. Uh, Many have connected this to Nero or to the Caesars or to Hitler or to others. Um, Before we get into the the particular number, first of all, it's going to take calculation, wisdom, calculation in real time in history. And then, secondly, um, it will be a number of a man. There's some interesting things about this passage to me. Um, The the authority, I brought that up already. And even uh, the reference to both these beasts as it's, you know, it's like this downgrading. And now finally, uh, he says, uh, he highlights a man, a man. In verse 18, calculate the number of the beast for it's the number of a man. Now, now what what you want to think right there is a a couple of different things. First of all, it's a specific man. It's a specific man. Some have suggested that um, Satan, as he plans for things that he doesn't really know about, uh, he doesn't know the timetable. He knows generally the timetable. He knows that he's a defeated foe. He knows he's planning for his last stand knowing that he's going to lose, but maybe in his own deception, self-deception, thinking he might win. But the idea of him not knowing the time, the possibility of him always having an Antichrist ready for every generation, because he doesn't know. He doesn't know the time. Um, I don't know about that. But know this. It's a man. It's a particular man. It's not a bunch of men it's not a group of men. It's a man, okay? A specific man uh, that sometime in history will be the Antichrist. The other thing, this, I, the picture that highlights there's a the number of a man is that he's a man. He's a man. It, this dis- is distinguished uh, between the God-man, Jesus, That he's, you could say it here, he is just a man. He is just a man. And this is very important as you think about uh, your life living in fearful times. Uh, It's funny, it's not funny, but um, I was poking around the internet in preparation for this. And I couldn't believe it. There's a word, it was a very long word. I should have wrote it down. I probably couldn't have pronounced it. But there's a fear of the number. It's a real thing that they uh, have on medical sites, fear of the number of the beast. And they, you know, there's there's symptoms, there's symptoms for the number of the beast. And like, you know, if you fear it and, you know, why and psychologically why and what you do. And like there's, and I thought, what do they know about this? Nothing. I want to tell you the, the answer to the fear of the man with the number is to remember that he's just a man, that he's just a man. That we have uh, a Savior, Jesus Christ, the Lord, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one worthy to open the seals. You know, the, the one that is to come is not just a man. Number of a man that highlights his humanity is him being that looking for that person, that person who I would say this falls short of Jesus. Let's go to the number then. This number and and I want you to um, know this. So this number is meant to be a positive ID, positive ID. And I'm still unclear of how, and it may not be all that difficult. Like, it may not be all that difficult. And what what I mean by this is some of you are saying, well, I'm not very good at math. Uh, uh, If he was to show himself, would I be able to, I want to tell you once again, rapture. I don't think he's going to show his face before then. Like, I don't know, like when I say show his face, I don't know if there's going to be a positive ID before the rapture. I don't believe so. But but this idea that you have to be good at math or you have, you know what's going to be combined in these days is what he does, who he is, and this connection to this number. And I, I want to tell you that um, I don't think it's going to be brain surgery. I think it's going to be trusting in God, what He said in His Word. And seeing it involved in the what's happening in the time of the tribulation. Calculate, he's the number of the man, the number is 666. Once again, I said there's this idea of gematria, the, the idea of a code assigned to numeric value. Uh, they've connected this to uh, Greek, Hebrew, Latin, and many people have worked out different things to identify different people that... And, and and what it is, is this, to see wickedness, wicked leadership, powerful wicked leadership that would identify someone as the possibility of being Antichrist and then connecting it with this number. By the way, uh, once they start using the number on the right hand or on the forehead, you'll know, you'll know. So this code is assigned in such a way that would connect to this number. Um, What do we know? And I want to really stop here because this is all we know. We know the number is 666. We know he's a man. We know he's a man. We know that uh, there's going to be a mark and it's either going to be his name or this number. Number. We know that this connection will be compelled by buying or selling. Buying or selling. There will be marked spots, the head and the right hand. It will be obvious some sort of branding showing loyalty or ownership. This will be a specific mark. Um, Now let's speculate a little bit. No, I'm just kidding. Um, We'll leave it there. Let me, uh, let me try to tie this up with three thoughts, three thoughts for us today, right now, right here. I don't believe we're in the tribulation time. Like I said before, I believe that the church will be raptured out, snatched. Um, so how do we live from here to there, you know, to here until the Lord takes us home? Like, how do we live? Let me, let me give you a few things. The first one is this. That we should reject the seed forms of this. That we should reject the seed forms of this. There was a kid uh, in elementary school. Uh, he's grown up now. He's probably in his 50s. He's still alive because of his bad choices. Um, there will be people who mock the name of Jesus and will identify with this number 666. I want to tell you, reject it. It's not something to be afraid of, but it is not something to think nothing of either. That we should be on the the lookout in our mind to reject the seed forms of this. There will be many that desire to mock the name of Jesus by using this as identifications of who they are, of businesses, of Uh, of the idea of symbols, and and I want to tell you, reject them at every time. Why? Because it points to this time, and it points to a, a desire to draw away from Jesus, the worship of Christ, to the worship of Satan. So I want to encourage you to reject the seed forms of this, and any and every point. There'll be many who come mocking and desiring to identify uh, with Antichrist, either um, subtly or outrightly, uh, or even the idea of non-thinking. You know, they just think it's cool. Um, I want to remind you, we we looked at this when we went through the the book of Daniel, that there are really three things uh, John spoke of. Remember uh, that John wrote, this was his vision in the book of Revelation. But he also spoke earlier, where it, specifically in 1 John, where he talked about the spirit of Antichrist, 1 John 4, 3. But he also said in 1 John 2 that many Antichrists have come or, or will come. And so what, what do we get right now? What is happening right now? Spirit of Antichrist and small a Antichrist. And I just want to encourage you, reject them at every point. Whether they be athletes, politicians, bosses, peers, reject them at every point. Why? It's antichrist. Do you get that? Antichrist. Do you want to be identified? Is that no big deal? It's a huge deal. It's central to who we are. Reject the seed forms of this. Secondly, I would say this fear not. Fear not. Even this morning, me bringing this up for some of you are like, oh, man. I was hoping for some like Christian pep rally stuff. You know, someone's gonna ask you this afternoon, hey, how was church today? You say it was great, it was super fun. We talked about the mark of the beast. <laughs> Antichrist coming. People getting killed. Um, I, I want to tell you that fear not. why? Only a man, only a man, only a man. And I'd say if you read further, a defeated man, a defeated man, a judged man. fear not, only a man. and And by the way, by the way, um, what a joke, what a joke. You say, what's a joke? It's Satan, Antichrist, false prophet, images put up there, the false signs, the resurrection. What a joke. What a joke compared to Jesus. What a joke. Why would I ever? Why would I ever? Uh, It it just doesn't make sense. Uh, As you look at the beauty of Christ, what he has done for us, what he has offered us, what he has drawn us to, how he has provided for us not just for today but forever what a joke lastly for you right now for you to be identified not by a thing on your forehead or you know a tattoo on your hand your right hand for you to be identified not by those things but by the fact that you are an exclusive Worshipper of Jesus Christ. He's the only one I worship. He's the only one I worship. I am an exclusive worshipper of Jesus Christ. And so anytime, anyone, or anything that gets in the way of Jesus, get rid of it. Get rid of it. What if a boss tells you something? You don't have to be rude, but you go, sorry, place is already taken. You know, you have to because I'm the boss. Well, that spot has already been taken. What do you mean? You have another job? Kind of. I'm a follower. I'm an exclusive worshiper of Jesus Christ. We can have a business relationship where I go to work and I do stuff. You give me money to do stuff. And like, we can have that kind of relationship, but you will never, you'll never be my Lord. Never. You can have a coach. Coach says you're going to be there, and you say, ah, I can't fit that in right now. Why? I told you you're going to be there. Well, no, that's okay. I love playing. I love playing, but I already have a spot. I already have a Lord. His name is Jesus. I'm an exclusive worshiper of Jesus. Maybe it'll be a government. Maybe it will be a spouse. Maybe your kids will conspire against you and you say, you will obey me. Kids never say that out loud, but they act as though, right? I don't know about grandkids, but we'll see. Um, Just to be an exclusive exclusive worshiper of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you that I don't believe that for you as a follower of Christ, I don't think this event is ever going to come up. But there's going to be events like it. There's going to be a lot of events like it. Maybe at every turn. Maybe at every turn. Every day. Every turn. Every year. Increasingly. Mm -hmm. And I want to tell you there's going to be more push. And it's not secularism is a kind word to saying Satan's working out his plan. It's a kind word. We like to say, oh, it's just secularism. It's it's neutral. It's not neutral. Anything that would get in the way of you being a worshiper of Jesus Christ, you can say it's Satanism, right? It's the work of Satan. And so for us, we're going to have to be settled in our hearts I'm an exclusive worshiper of Jesus. I think about this, and uh, these are crude uh, analogies to this, but oh, I'm married. Oh, I'm married. W- what did I just say? I said I'm married. I'm saying, you know, I, I, it's done. It's over with. My life is secure in my relationship with my wife. I, I was, you know, most of you remember maybe looking for a husband or a wife. But even less than that, do you, do you know about looking for a car? It's a headache, right? You identify a car. You say, oh, I need a new car. And the old one's falling apart. And so you start going, you, you come to church and you look out in the parking lot and you go, who has a nice car that I'd like to have? You know, coveting starts coming in. And then you start, you know, hey, you're willing to sell like, oh, no, but how does it ride? And, you know, and this, does gas money. have you broke? And you know, and, oh, no, yeah, it breaks all the time. It's a Ford. But, um, and, you know, and, uh, <laughs> but once you decide, once you decide and you identify the car, then you find the car, then you figure out how to pay for the car, then you get the car and you go, ha. Oh, and you go on the freeway and you, you don't go, you, you, you might have a, like flashback and you're like, oh, now nah, I already got a car. It's done. It's over with until I need another car, right? I want to tell you, your soul, your soul when you're Christ's, it's a done deal forever, forever. You now are an exclusive worshiper. It, and it's no, no offense to the other offers, but it's just like, it's already done, I've already chosen. I have Christ. I have him forever. God, thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. Thank you for uh, providing all we needed and the escape of the things that are to come. God, we ask that you would make us serious people who are serious about the things that matter most, and that we would not deny what is to come, but we would prepare for what is to come. And the only way is trusting in Jesus. God, help us to make decisions day in and day out, knowing that you are our all, our only place we worship. God, do your work in your church. Make us your worshipers, worshiping in spirit and in truth. Thank you for this time in Jesus' name.